A very good morning to you. I hope it's warm enough for you in here. We've uh, very courteously supplied fans in the form of six weeks of summer. So fan yourselves with those and then uh, make sure you take them home with you. My name is Neil. I'm married to the wonderful Kate. Together we lead this church, the South West London Vineyard. Uh, it's great to see you all here this morning. Uh, well done. I heard a story the other day about a woman who used to be part of this church. And she went and had breakfast with a neighbor of hers up in, um, up in Wimbledon Village. And as they sat down to have breakfast, the neighbor began to weep. She just started crying. And she began to tell uh, of how she discovered a, a lump in her abdomen which was the size of a a grapefruit. And as you can imagine, she was absolutely terrified. She'd been booked in for emergency surgery. Um, And so our friend, what she did was she invited her neighbor back to her house and offered to pray for her. Now, as she tells the story, um, her faith was not great. So rather than praying, be gone, um, she asked the Lord to shrivel the growth. And that was, as, that was as sort of as much faith as she could muster at, at that point, as far as she said. Uh, the neighbor then went on holiday for a week with her family. And then on the Monday morning, she went back to see the doctor again. On Wednesday, um, the children, she, had, she has four children. On Wednesday, the children were to be told. And on Thursday of that week, emergency surgery had been booked. And on the Monday morning, after she'd been away on holiday, she went back to the hospital and she had another scan. And she went and saw our friend and she said, do you know, I, th- I think this thing is, is, is smaller. And so what she did is she asked if she could go back and have another MRI scan. So she went back and had another scan. And that afternoon, after she'd had this second scan, one of the children of the neighbors went round to our friend's house and, 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 and had with them a, a, a piece of paper. And this piece of paper was a photocopy of his mum's medical notes. And across it, scrawled in great big letters, the mother had written in capital letters, it's gone. Completely gone. Totally, the tumour, the growth, whatever it was, completely gone. So the children never needed to be told. Uh, The surgery was cancelled. And at a stroke, the kingdom of God had broken through into the life of this young woman. Now, as many of you will know, not all of our prayers uh, for healing um, have quite such a dramatic outcome. And for every person who's healed, you know, there are many who are not, which is all part of us living in this tension of what we call the now and the not yet of the kingdom that we looked at a few weeks ago. However, what might have happened if our friend had not prayed? What did she have to lose by, by stepping out and, and, and asking to pray for her neighbor, by laying hands on her, uh, getting out and doing the stuff? What did, what did she have to lose? Look at what was gained from the fact that she did. And this morning what I want us to do is I want us to look at um, God's empowering presence, the empowering presence of God. Because as we've been looking over these past few weeks at some of the distinctives of the vineyard, God's empowering presence in our midst is one of the things that we have always most 
treasured. In our heritage, in our history, in the story of the vineyard, we love to know that God's presence is here. Um, We love to know that God's presence is here and his presence is to be experienced and his presence is here to be encountered. Uh, Wherever it may be that we find ourselves, whether it's within the walls of the church or whether it's out on the streets or whether it's in our places of work or wherever it is that you choose to go, with the empowering presence of God made manifest in and through the wonderful person of the Holy Spirit. We are called, as John Wimber, who started this whole family of churches called the Vineyard, used to say, he said, we are called to set ourselves to doing the stuff. So if you've got a Bible, uh, turn with me first to Acts chapter 1. Now, Acts chapter 1, this verse, um, uh, the Lord just keeps putting this verse in front of me. I, I, I can't seem to get away from it. Um, we talked about it, so I don't, I don't mean to bore you, um, but uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago when we were looking at, I can't remember what, but we looked at this verse. Uh, Rowanna, when she came, Rowanna from Kennington Vineyard, she quoted this verse when she spoke. Uh, last week, Lisa Samuelson from the Yangon Vineyard in uh, Myanmar, uh, she did the same. And then she even had a prophetic word for this church out of this verse. If you missed Lisa last week, you need to go and listen, go onto the website and listen to her podcast. It was absolutely fantastic and very, very exciting about all that the Lord is stirring and the whole area of international mission in this church. And so, anyway, this verse, I think the Lord is wanting to get our attention. And so rather than apologize to you for looking at it again, at least in part this morning, I want to encourage you to go away and to read it and to reread it and then read it again. It's very short. Uh, and as you read it and reread it, um, will you pray? Will you ask the Spirit of God to show you what this verse means to you? What is God, what is the Spirit of God wanting to say to you individually about this verse? And um, these are the last words of Jesus' ministry before he um, goes back to the Father in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It's very familiar, uh, not least because we've looked at it so many times over the last few weeks, and it says very simply this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. After he said this, Jesus was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. We, uh, the church of God, we need the power of God uh, in order to pursue the cause of God on the earth today. You see what it says here? It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's God's Holy Spirit. It's his empowering presence. That's, Lisa said it last week. She said all compassion, didn't she? She said all compassion starts and is birthed out of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is exactly the same. It's, it's God's empowering presence. It's the spirit of God falling upon us as individuals and as a body and as the church that mobilizes the church into action. It's the spirit of God coming upon us that literally inspires us. It's the spirit of God coming upon us that, that, that launches us, that catapults us out from this place and our places of, of, of relative comfort, our small groups, our house groups, whatever, and catapults us out onto the streets. It's all about God's empowering presence, which, of course, the Holy Spirit is. 
I can't remember who said it, but before, um, uh, around one of the times of one of our national leaders conference, one of the speakers who was there, and this poor chap had had no experience of the vineyard uh, prior to showing up at the national leaders conference and being one of the keynote speakers. Uh, and he'd come to the vineyard, it, it, I mean, the poor man, he'd taken quite a risk. He had no idea what sort of lunatic fringe he was going to encounter. And, and he came along and, and he said, he said, you know what, you vineyard people really do expect God to turn up. He went on to say, his presence in your midst really is an expected reality. He was kind of, kind of surprised. And the reality is, is, we would sort of respond by saying, duh, of course it is. Why, why would it not be? I mean, he's here. The Spirit of God is here right now. His presence, his empowering presence is here in this room right now. Why would we not expect him to be here? Why would we not expect him to be among us and with us and in us and upon us and around us, working both in us and through us? And it's the presence of God in our midst. And this is such a precious thing. This is such a precious thing. And this is something that in the video, for us as followers of Jesus, this is never to be presumed upon. We're never to get complacent about the empowering presence of God in our midst. The presence of God, the expectation that the presence of God is going to be in our midst is something that we should be rejoicing in and delighting in and expectant for. As we prepare ourselves to come to church, we should be singing psalms of ascent and songs of ascent on our way to seeking the Lord's face in his presence. As we gather together as the church, we should be coming expectant that God's presence is going to be here. His manifest presence is going to be here. We come expectant that of all that God is going to do with us and in us and among us in this little corner of his precious bride, the church. And so with the coming of Jesus, uh, the rule and the reign of God it broke into this world in a, in, a, in a fuller measure than had ever been seen before. And it's his continuing rule and reign. It's what we call the kingdom of God. That's what we are pursuing. That's what we are called to demonstrate as Christ's followers on the earth. It's to be demonstrated. It's to be pursued by his people. It's to be demonstrated. It's to be pursued by his church as his church is empowered by his Holy Spirit. And so what we've got here is these last words of Jesus um, on the Mount of Olives, which were spoken to his, his uh, disciples at the time. And they are for us here today. These words still ring true for us here today, that we too would receive the same power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Because that's the reality that we now live in. You and I, whether we realize it or not, whether we feel like it or not, we are the direct descendants of what we're reading about happened here on the Mount of Olives. We are the immediate inheritors of the promise that Jesus gave to his disciples back then. We are sons and daughters of the Father. We are the church of Jesus Christ. He died for us in order to establish us. We're a Pentecost people. We are equipped and filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So God's Holy Spirit is first and foremost God's empowering presence. Okay? The Holy Spirit is also... God's experienced presence. Uh, here in the vineyard, we've talked about this before. One of our distinctives is the scriptures. We, we, are, we love this book. We stand on the word of God. The Bible is everything to us. The scriptures are everything to us. And so as people of the scriptures, explanations matter. 
Okay, so explanation is important. Explanation of our faith, explanations around our practices. These things are of paramount importance to us. And so we need to be a people who lash ourselves, lash ourselves to the truths of the scripture, to the tenets of the faith, to the the creeds of the historical church, like sailors would lash themselves to the mast in storms at sea. The Bible, this book, it's our plumb line, it's our gold standard, it's our yardstick, it's our magnetic north. Moses talked to the people of Israel and he said, these are not just idle words. These are your very life. These are not just idle words. They are your very life. And so the words in this book are to be life and breath to us. And our first resort must always be, as Paul said to the Romans in Romans chapter 4, Paul always said there, What do the scriptures say? What do the scriptures say? You want to know about the kingdom of God? What do the scriptures say? You want to know about the wonderful person of Jesus? What do the scriptures say? You want to understand more about the Holy Spirit? What does it say in the book? Read the scriptures. You're wondering about how to relate to your neighbor. What do the scriptures say? You're questioning about how you should give your money and where you should give your money. What do the scriptures say? How are you going to talk to people, friends and neighbors and and family members who don't yet know and love Jesus? What do the scriptures say? How are you going to get your head around all of these weird and wacky things that sort of go on around this place? Like people getting healed and people not getting healed and people having prophetic words and people speaking in tongues and random crazy things. What does any of it mean? How are we going to get our heads around any of it when it happens and when it doesn't? What do the scriptures say? Because it's all in the book. It's all in here. And so we need our explanations. Absolutely. However, we also need our experiences. We need our explanations, but we also need our experiences. It is both and not either or. We are a people who are to experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Shortly after I became a Christian, uh, I was 15. The people who led me to Jesus um, asked me if I wanted to speak in tongues. And being 15 and from a completely non-Christian background, I had absolutely no idea what tongues was and um, they told me that tongues was this special language from God and it was going to help me with my prayer life and it was going to help me grow in my faith and so I said yeah okay that sounds fun like I have no idea what you're talking about really but I'll go along with it you seem like nice people Um, now remember I just given my life to Jesus um, but to be honest I didn't feel I didn't feel very different Um, for me giving my life to Jesus was mostly an act of obedience Um, I had discovered that he had given his life for me, and so how could I not give my life to him? For me, it just seemed like a very logical, obvious thing to do. Um, But when they laid hands on me to receive the gift of tongues, um, that was a that was a whole different that was a whole different ballgame. The only way I can describe it, it was like it was like I'd been plugged into the national grid, um, really. And literally out of nowhere, I was, uh, this was on a beach in uh, Donegal in Southern Ireland. Uh, they laid hands on me on this beach. And I literally was shocked and jolted by the empowering presence of the Spirit of God. And I shook and I rattled and I bounced all over the place. I had absolutely no idea what was happening to me. I laughed and I cried 
Uh, and it was completely and utterly mad. It was completely and utterly crazy, but it felt amazing, you know. And I spoke in tongues. Like, I didn't even know what tongues was, and yet I was speaking in tongues. And um, boy, did I speak in tongues. I think shouted in tongues would be more a, of an apt description. I shouted in tongues at the top of my voice, uh, much to the dismay I discovered later on of the, the occasional dog walker who was sort of wondering what on earth was going on. Um, And not only did it feel amazing, I felt amazing. And from that point to this, and that was, you know, I was 15, so that was uh, nine years ago. Um, (laughs) That's unkind, I think. Um, From that point to this, my relationship with Jesus literally took on a whole different meaning. It took on a whole different dimension. The scriptures, that was the first thing, the scriptures, they literally opened up to me. That literally it was like, ah, the scriptures opened up to me before. This had just been like this dry old book. Because uh, I was reading the King James Version then particularly. It was like, um, so it made absolutely no sense to me. It was like doing some O-level Shakespeare. And, um, and I, I was like, so this, for me this was this dry old book that I knew that I was supposed to read. But I had absolutely no idea how I was ever going to get through it. Because none of it made any sense at all. And I was too afraid to let anybody know that none of it made sense because I was supposed to be this new Christian and I was supposed to be able to kind of get it and I didn't get any of it, right? And then I was speaking in tongues, the Spirit of God came from me, and suddenly the Scriptures like open. It's like, oh, wow, I, I, this makes sense. This makes perfect sense. My whole disposition changed. I, I couldn't help but share my faith and talk about Jesus. As you know, when I came back to London, I would literally go on a Saturday morning out um, door to door, I, you know, in my suit, door to door, knocking on people's doors and telling them about Jesus. Uh, the, the ripe old age of 15 or 16. I must have been obnoxious beyond belief. I went for long walks. Uh, it, when I was in Southern Ireland, just after this happened, I would go for long walks at night on my own on the beach. And I was like some starstruck, awestruck kid. You know, because I'd, I'd walk on the beach and I'd just be like, I'd be... Uh, gazing up open mouthed at the beauty of the stars and the incredibleness of God's creation and I'd be sort of wandering on this beach like it's amazing it was like my eyes literally had opened I I must have been crazy my prayer life changed everything changed following that experience of the empowering presence of God so we need God's empowering presence we need God's experienced presence But, but what is it that he does what does the Holy Spirit do well, he convinces us and he convicts, uh, he, he convicts us and he convinces us. He convicts us and he convinces us. Um, John 16, verse 13 says this, but when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you in all, into all truth. See, the Holy Spirit is our guide. Um, and he convicts us. He convicts us in the first place of our sin and of how much we need him. And, and then he convinces us afterwards of the, of the rightness of what it is that we believe. The Spirit of God, of God has come and he is guiding us daily. He is guiding us and leading us continually into all truth. That's what he does. He convinces us of our faith and we, we need that because life is hard. It's hard being a follower of Jesus. I don't know if you've worked that one out yet. It's not easy being a follower of Jesus. We swim against the stream. We battle against the odds. We stand against some incredible opposition but this truth that we've encountered this truth that we've experienced it's worth the fight it's worth the battle 
And his presence is to be experienced. And sometimes people experience him and, and they feel him when they first come to Jesus. Uh, there was a woman who came along here to South Western Vineyard a, a little while ago. And she came along. She came along week in, week out. She wasn't a believer. And she, she looked as though she had no intentions of ever becoming a believer, if that's fair to say. Um, but she came every week. And, and the reason that she came every week was mostly because she was in hot pursuit of one of the young chaps here at church. Um, and that has happened on occasion in the past. Uh, and then um, on, on one occasion, the, the Spirit of God came in power, as he does every single week, whether we realize it or recognize it or not. And, and he convicted her of something. And I, I think it was something along the lines of, these people have got something that I don't have, and I would quite like what they have that I don't have. However, the same morning, uh, there'd, uh, there'd been a word of knowledge, uh, that there was somebody there that morning who had a skin condition, which of course she did. And so she came forward at the end for prayer. And the person who prayed for her, not necessarily using a model that we should all adopt, um, I hasten to add, said something along these lines. Uh, now look, sunshine, uh, we've been skirting around this for far too long. It's time to, get, uh, it's time to come to Jesus. When are you going to get your act together? Yeah. So, as I say, not necessarily a model that we might normally encourage for any of you who are here and don't believe in Jesus. Um, But on this occasion, it was the Lord. It was absolutely the Lord. And so she did. She gave her life to Jesus there and then and got her skin condition healed to boot. And to top it all, ended up marrying the chap who she'd been coming for for years. But the first words that came out of her mouth after she'd confessed her sin and given her life to Jesus were, I feel six feet tall. I feel six feet tall. Because suddenly she had experienced the manifest and the palpable, the very experienceable presence of God in her life. So the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts us and he convinces us. The Holy Spirit also comes upon us. The Spirit of God comes upon us day in, day out, week in, week out. The Spirit of God comes upon us. He comes upon us as we worship, as we've just done. He comes upon us as we open the scriptures together. He comes upon us as we minister. He comes upon us as we serve. He comes upon us in particular occasions, in particular locations, at particular times. He comes upon you to give a word of encouragement uh, for somebody. Whether that's here at church, or whether that's in your place of work, or whether that's in Waitrose, or Tesco's, or Lidl, or wherever it is that you shop, or whether it's in the car park. And I'm going to pray that all of us would have some experience this week of the Spirit of God coming upon us, and us doing something that we wouldn't normally have done in his name, for his glory, for the sake of the extension of the kingdom of God. Because we need to get out of here to go and do the stuff. Yeah, we need to gather together so that we can scatter and see the kingdom of God extended. Why? Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. That's the point of the power coming upon us so that we can be his witnesses. The Holy Spirit comes upon us in power so that we can bear witness to the wonderful person of Jesus. The Spirit of God does not come upon us in order to give us the warm fuzzies. The Spirit of God does not come upon us to make us go all gooey and squidgy so that we can curl up in a little corner and just soak up his amazing presence. This is a missional spirit. The Spirit of God is a missional spirit. God is a missional God. And so when the Spirit of God comes upon us, the purpose of the Spirit of God coming upon us is so that we can go. 
so that we can go to our Jerusalem, to our Judea, to our Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. The Spirit of God comes upon us. You read about it in Judges 6. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Gideon, I don't know if you've read about Gideon, but Gideon, God bless him, he was a bit lame. You know, he was a bit of a he was a bit of a coward. He's hiding away in the wine press and quaking in his boots. And then the Spirit of God comes upon him. And suddenly the next bit you're reading, the next thing you know is he's leading armies. And you're like, how did that happen? It's a radical transformation. You, you read in, in Judges 14, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson in power. And suddenly this kind of ragtail, sort of slightly dodgy kid is, 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 is fighting the enemy. There's been this radical transformation. You see it, Paul in Corinth, he, he prays for the new believers there. And the Spirit of God comes upon them. We've just read about it here in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. A few of us, we were at the yard a few weeks ago and a lady came in. Uh, I don't think she'd been uh, there before. And she asked what we were up to, um, which is a very good question. I'm not entirely sure I knew the answer. And so um, we, uh, we offered her something to eat and we invited her to stick around, which she did. And uh, then we worshipped and she joined in. And at the end of worship, James uh, asked if anyone had any impressions, you know, any prophetic words, any pictures or impressions uh, from the Lord, uh, which she did. Um, and then James asked her how she felt. And she said, uh, she said you know, I, I feel incredibly emotional and I feel incredibly peaceful. The Spirit of God had come upon her. In the, on the sofa in the yard. Spirit of God had come upon her and so we, we prayed for her. She's probably here somewhere this morning. How many of us have found ourselves stumbled into this place on a Sunday morning? You know, we thought it was a wine discount warehouse and we were incredibly disappointed to discover that it's actually a church and that there's no free booze. And, um, but we stuck around anyway. And then we found ourselves just sat here thinking, this is all right. And then suddenly we started to weep. We suddenly start crying. We're like, why am I crying? We suddenly feel incredibly emotional. It's like, why am I feeling that? I, don't, I didn't feel emotional before I got here. What's wrong with these people? What's wrong with this place? Because now I just want to cry. That's the Spirit of God. It has happened to us all. If that's happened to you this morning, like you're in very good company. I mean, I think I wept for the first 18 months of being here. Weeping, There's something about the Spirit of God coming upon us and capturing us and arresting us. And sometimes that expresses itself in our, through our emotions. You see these things, so many other things, healings, deliverance, encouragement, prophetic words, words of wisdom, all of these things. These all happen at our hands because of God's empowering presence being in us and on us. And we should be expectant for it. We should expect that to happen. We should expect the Holy Spirit to come upon us in power so that we can do these wonderful things and more. Be that here at church on a Sunday or at the yard or in our small groups or at work or at university or in the park, wherever it is you find yourself. We should be expectant that the Spirit of God is going to come upon you in power to equip you and enable you to be able to be his witnesses. Because we've been empowered. We've been equipped for works of service. And that's what we need to go and do. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. God's empowering presence, God's experienced presence, and then finally God's transforming presence. In First Samuel 10, verse 6, Samuel says to Saul, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, 
And you will be changed into a different person. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power and you will be changed into a different person. Same person, same skin, same look. However, a completely different person. You know, we read verses like that and it's, so, um, it's such a hope-giving, faith-raising thought. Because we look at ourselves and we look at our lives, it's like, oh, I don't have to stay as I am. Praise Jesus. Because we know what we're like. We know who we are. And so the prospect of transformation for many of us is just like, oh, thank the Lord. God will take me on. I can be changed. Things can be different. They don't have to stay as they are right now. Cardinal Sunans wrote this. He said this, God writes extraordinary novels for those of us who are ready and willing to be open to the unexpected. On the alert to hear the whispers of grace and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. God writes extraordinary novels for those of us who are ready and willing to be open to the unexpected. On the alert to hear the whispers of grace and the promptings of the Spirit. You see, doing the stuff, doing the stuff of the kingdom, doing the works of Jesus, this is exciting. It's exciting. It's an adventure. It's a huge adventure. It's um, very unexpected. We never quite know where we are. We never quite know what's going to work, what's not going to work. We can go out and we can thwart the works of darkness wherever we go in extraordinary ways. Little Lord us. Whether it's healing the sick, whether it's casting out people's demons, whether it's feeding the hungry, whether it's caring for the poor, we get to do the stuff of the kingdom of God. And as Mally looked at a couple of weeks ago, everyone gets to play. Everybody gets to play. We are all included. Every single one of us, from the, from the youngest to the oldest, we all get to do the stuff of the kingdom of God. We all get to play in this, this, this wonderful adventure of seeing God's kingdom rule and reign extended. We all get to play our part in diminishing and reducing the, the, the work of the enemies of God. Because we've got the goods. We've, we've got what it takes. And all these people that we meet, they, they absolutely need what we have. They absolutely need to encounter the wonderful person of Jesus so that their lives might be transformed. And what a wonderful way to waste our lives this side of glory. You know, taking risks and praying for people as we make ourselves available to hear the whispers of grace and the the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? It doesn't matter if we fail. It doesn't matter if we get it wrong. We've got it wrong so many times. I've got it wrong so many times. It doesn't beggars belief. Um, But actually, usually very little harm is done. Even when you get it spectacularly wrong. Most people just are very, very sort of glad that you've bothered to offer to pray for them, to lay hands on them, no matter what the outcome. But let's get back to taking a few risks. Let's get back to taking a punt. Let's, let's try a few mad things in the name of Jesus and see if his power does indeed come upon us as we see things change, whether it's physical ailments that go, as we saw a couple of weeks ago. When we ministered with them, you know, the Ravinia kids, they were in here. And they were ministering, they were praying. We got this, we got this sweet email from one of our uh, more elder and distinguished members. 
is what he wrote. He said this, last Sunday I went forward as one of the people who had pain in their feet. This was on the Sunday when all the vineyard kids, do you remember when the vineyard kids were here? And they were having words and praying for people and stuff. So last Sunday I went forward as one of the people who had pain in their feet. My wife had thought it might be a soft corn, but whatever it was, it did make it painful to walk. The group prayed for healing, and after the service I found it easier to walk, and now I can walk without pain at all. All I have is a pink area where the Lord, all I have is a pink area where whatever it was, was. Praise and thank you, Lord. Isn't that great? It's wonderful. You see, when we join in with what the Father's doing, alert to hear, hear the whispers of grace and the promptings of the Holy Spirit, things change. We prayed for somebody whose knee was dodgy and, you know, he said it got better. It wasn't completely better, but it was better than it was. Just some wonderful things just happen. And just, sometimes we don't even know what's going on here. Things change. God will always use faithful, even if they are not always full of faith, believers. For the things of the kingdoms come to pass. You see, we've been given pretty clear instructions from God. We've, we've already got our marching orders. Yeah? Uh, the first words of Jesus in his public ministry were these. Uh, in Luke chapter 4, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. They're the, they're the first words of Jesus' public ministry. And the very last words of his public ministry, you find them in Matthew 28. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. The first words of Jesus, the last words of Jesus. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, care for the poor, um, feed the hungry, go to the prisons. Basically, do the stuff that Jesus did. Do the works of Jesus. That's what he's saying. And, and then in Matthew 28, what he's saying, right, I've kind of shown you how to do it. I've kind of shown you the stuff that, 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 that God wants us as followers of Jesus to be doing on the earth. Okay, so you've got the model and the life of Jesus. Right now, what he's saying in Matthew 28 is, off you go, you're going. I'm going back to the Father, right? So I'm not going to be around, right? So you go and do it. Off you go. You go. You go and do the stuff. And actually, you'll do even greater things than these. You go and make disciples. You go and you go and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You go and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Don't worry. Surely I'll be with you even to the very end of the age. I'm kind of around, right? But you go and do it. Because if you don't go and do it, do you know what? It's not going to get done. You go. We've been given all the authority that we need. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says. And then he passes it on to us. So we have all authority. Last time I looked up the word all in the dictionary, I think it meant all. So we have already all authority on heaven and earth. We've got all the authority that we need. We've got all the permission that we're ever going to get. We've... We've, we've got all the anointing that we need because of God's empowering presence coming upon us, filling us with his Holy Spirit. We've, we've got all the instructions that we need. We don't need to say, Jesus, I don't know where you want me to go. I don't know who you want me to serve. I don't know who you want me to do the stuff to. It, it's, all, it's all really clearly laid out in here. There's enough to keep us going. 
We just need to get out there and do the stuff. And why do we do it? Why do we pray for people at the yard? Why do we pray for our neighbors? Why do we pray for, pray for people in our small group? Why do we pray for total strangers on the street? We, we do it because we love Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And, and he's told us to go and heal the sick. He, he's, he's told us to bind up the brokenhearted. He's, he's commanded us to feed the hungry and remember the poor and to preach the gospel. It's all, it's all in here. And so that's, that's what we're to do. That's our mandate. That's our mission. That's our job description. That's what we're called to do. And do you know something? Um, you are known all around the world um, for doing this. You, you, you may not know this. You, you may not realize it. You, you may not care at all. Um, but people look to see the things that the people in this church do. Not just across London, not just even across the UK, but around the world. People watch what God is doing in and through the people in this church. I mean, we didn't, you know, it's got nothing to do with us, do you know what I mean? And we didn't ask for it. You know, it's probably John and Ellie's fault, right? So blame them for the scrutiny, right? Um, but it's a reality, you see, because we're not just another church. We're not even just another, like, vineyard church. This is the first vineyard church in the UK. This is the first vineyard in Europe, and... Um, and, and so people are watching. I mean, we celebrate our 30th anniversary in September. Yeah, so um, we're kind of like one of the oldest vineyards. Well, the are the oldest vineyard in Europe. One of the oldest vineyards around the world. And so people are watching. It's like, oh, what does it look like when you're a vineyard when you're 30 years old? How does that happen? What does that look like? People are interested. Lisa um, from um, Yangon, she said, it, she said as much last week. You know, she said this is a church of firsts. There's something on us, do you see? There's something that the Lord has done and we didn't ask for it, we, didn't, we haven't created it. It's just sort of there in our DNA. We've got to fight to keep it. We've got to fight for it. These things are important. And so, trust me, people are, around the world are watching to see what God is doing in and through this church. And so I, I, I want to encourage us all this morning. I want to encourage us all. Do you... Um, do you realize the influence that you have beyond just this space, beyond just your small group, beyond even whatever the ministries that you are involved in? But actually on a global scale, people are watching, people are interested in hearing about, they want to hear about what's going on in Job Club. They want to hear about the different stories and the things that are going on. People are, are interested, they're fascinated. It's like, oh, what else are you doing? What's going on with the worship at Southwest London Vineyard? This is, you know, Southwest London is that church where, you know, come now is the time, you know, and hungry and all those things. What's God doing with them now? What's happening now? They're in, people are interested. And you people, whether you've been here for five minutes or for 50 years, not for 50 years, 30 years, right? Um, do you realize the influence that you have? Do you realize the number of people that you've inspired just by doing the stuff that Jesus did. You see, doing the stuff of the kingdom, this is, um, it's our, this is our birthright. Okay? Um, doing the stuff, getting out and doing the stuff of the kingdom, this is part of our history. And so let's ensure that we make doing the stuff part of our legacy. Okay? God's empowering presence, God's experienced presence, God's transforming presence.
Okay?